All right, we are in week number two of Relationship Goals, and uh, like I said upstairs a few moments ago, I want to have a mature conversation with you tonight, because here's what I know. I know that when we talk about relationship goals, the things that we want to talk about tonight and next week are not things that you are thinking about, but they will be things that you think about eventually. And so tonight, if you remember, if you were with us last week or if you weren't here with us last week, what we said is, as we launch into this series, Relationship Goals, and I want to make sure we're on the same page. When I say Relationship Goals, we're talking about, we're talking about relationships with the opposite gender. And here's what I know. I know that in our culture, I know that in society, I know that um, the way that different people believe different things, that, that we hear things that are different from a, a man and a woman. And I know that's true. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, God's plan for how it all, uh, how we created it all to be. But, but I want to make sure that you know this. This is a safe place, and it's a safe place to talk about things that you're hearing at school or that you're hearing, you know, from different people. And so hopefully in your small groups tonight, man, you've had great conversations, and hopefully you feel freedom in your small group to be able to share things that are significant, that, that are sensitive, maybe, uh, to you when it comes to relationship goals, but, but here's the thing, the way the relationships work, right, is that like we talked about last week, the foundation of every healthy relationship is a friendship. And so what I think is the most wise decision for you is that you would take these three years of your middle school journey, right, and that you would just choose to focus on friendship when it comes to the opposite side of the room. Because when you choose to focus on friendship, right, you've eliminated a lot of pressure off of yourself, You've eliminated a lot of what culture is going to feed you, which are lies. And there's a lot of freedom in just having fun and just learning about the other gender from a friend perspective. Now, what I know, though, is that as we progress in these relationships, the way that God designed it to be is there is something called dating. And dating is something that you're not thinking about, and that's a great thing. That's the way that God designed it. He didn't design you to be thinking about dating until you're 21. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But tonight, I want to talk a little bit about dating. I want to look at a story in the Bible from the Old Testament, and, and I, want to, I want to talk about that with you, and then I want to talk to you about some really practical things when it comes to dating, because I think even though you're not there yet, these are good things for you to hear. These are good things for you to learn. And, um, and so when you get there and when that chapter begins to open in your life, the chapter of dating, right, then you'll have some good practical things to go with. And I hope you'll take notes tonight because I think tonight could be very helpful. Now, you know, when it comes to this part of the relationship between a guy and a girl, when it comes to dating, right, the truth of it, right, the truth is that there's not a lot of dating advice in the Bible. I mean, it doesn't say how to date. It doesn't say when you should date. It doesn't say what dating even is. Honestly, in the Bible, uh, a lot of it was arranged marriages, right? Where people just arrange you to marry someone that you've never met before or guys like Solomon that had multiple wives, okay? And neither one of those things happen a lot today. And so we do things called dating, where we get to know someone of the opposite gender and where we get to know who they are and, and, and the things they like and all those kinds of things. So tonight, I just want to take a second and I want to look at a, a story 
from the Old Testament because I think it's going to help you when it comes to this idea of dating. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn open to Genesis chapter 28. And I want to introduce you to a guy named Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. All right, you're with me. So Jacob is this guy. And what you got to know about Jacob is that he is fleeing from his family. He is in fear. He is running. Um, and, and basically, he's kind of on, yeah, he's on the run. He's kind of running for his life, trying to figure out what, what to do with his life. And in the Bible, it says this in chapter 28, verse 20. It says, if God, and that's, that's important, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. So what we learn about Jacob's story is in those first two words, he says, if God. In other words, Jacob does not have a relationship with God. He doesn't know God. He's kind of giving God an ultimatum. And he's saying, well, if God will do all these things, then, then I will follow him. And see, some of you, maybe you can relate to that a little bit because maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God either. And, and here's what I want you to know. Man, we're glad you're here. We want you here every Wednesday night learning more about God's truth, learning more about what the Bible has to say. You may be searching. You may be kind of seeking and, and kind of trying to figure out what this God thing's about. And this is the right place for you to be. But here's, what it, here, here's the thing. When it comes to God, there's something that we all have in common. And I want to give it to you if you're taking notes. Everyone in this room, me included, everyone has a God-sized void or a God-shaped void, a God-sized void, including Jacob, including you, including me. We all have a God-sized void that needs to be filled. See, you and I were created, right, to, to connect with our Creator, that's how we, he made us, that's how he formed us, and we all have this God-sized void that we are born with, that we have. And until we allow God to fill that void, then life will not be best. It will not be the way that life is supposed to be. But see, what happens is, if you were here last week, we talked about how sometimes when we get to this point where we start to, to look at the other side of the room and we start to notice different things, like good things, not that, you know, guys stink and girls are dramatic, but <laughs> when we learn, when we begin to learn about the other, room, other side of the room and it's different than those things, we start trying to find the right person instead of just trying to, to be the person that God has called us to be. And see, that's what we try to do. We try to find, we try to search, we try to let people fill this void that we have. And what we learn, man, is that God is the only one, students, and I know you may not fully get this, but just listen, just hear it, write it down. God is the only one that can fulfill you. He's the only one that can fill that God-sized void in your life. But see, what we do, right, is just like Jacob we try to fill it with other things. Here's what the Bible says. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And the most important part about that passage is that it centers on not our relationship with another person, our relationship with God. 
See, from the get-go, what you have to understand before we even talk about dating is that you were created for God to fulfill and fill that void that you have, not a person. And what culture tells you and what society tells you and what you're going to hear in your school is that it's different, that a person can fulfill you, that a person can complete you. And it's just not true. The only one who can complete you and fulfill you is God. But here's what happens is that a lot of us, me included, we try to get people to feel what God only can. And that's the bottom line tonight. People can't fill God-sized voids, but God can. And see, this is what Jacob tried to do. Jacob was in love with this girl named Rachel. Now, let me just kind of just summarize the story. So Jacob is running for his life, and he runs into a relative, and his name is Laban. And so Laban says, hey, man, you want to you wanna work for me, right? This is a family member. And so Jacob's like, yeah, I'll work for you. But Laban says, I can't pay you money and wages, but so how could I pay you? And so Jacob is like, well, I really like your, your daughter, Rachel. What if, you, what if I work for you and you let me marry her? I mean, that's... That's kind of an interesting swap, right? I'll work for you, you let me marry your daughter, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be good. You know what I'm saying? And so Jacob agrees to do that, but this is what he says. You're, you can marry Rachel, but, but not until you work for me for seven years. Seven years you got to work for me, right? And then you can marry this woman that you want to marry. Okay, so Laban agrees, Jacob's good, he's all happy, he's working. Seven years go by, and then what happens is that Jacob is tricked. Everybody say trick. And he is tricked in a most awful way. So what happens is that Laban, in the dark of the night, actually, instead of delivering Rachel to Jacob, for, for, for his wife, he delivers his, her sister Leah. Yeah, isn't that a low, that's a, that's a low one, right? And so what happens is Jacob is attracted to Rachel. He sees himself with Rachel. That's who he's picked, right? Leah's cool and all, but he, he doesn't like Leah, right? But Laban pulls a trick on him and delivers not Rachel, but Leah in the middle of the night. And then what happens is Jacob wakes up and he's pretty mad about it. Wouldn't you guys, guys, wouldn't you be pretty mad about that? The problem is that Jacob was trying to fill a God-sized void with a girl. And Leah was in on it. Leah was trying to fill a God-sized void with a guy. And it ended up messing their world up. A lot of things happened, and those things don't really matter right now. You can read the rest of the story. But it was kind of just all over the place. And it just drama after drama after drama. Because in the beginning, they tried to take a God-sized void and fill it with a person. Jacob was upset. He was disappointed. He actually ended up working another seven years, and then he married Rachel. But 
That doesn't mean that that's the end of the story. And you can read that on your own time. The reason why I share that with you, though, is just an example of how it doesn't work, students. We all have this God-sized void, and people cannot fill it. And you're going to be tempted in your life, maybe not right now, but you will be. You will be tempted to allow a person of the opposite gender to fill that void, that if you just find that right person, that everything will work out, that you will be happy, that you will be fulfilled, that they will complete you. And it's just not true. Because that is not the way that God designed us to be. See, he designed us to, create, to connect with him. He designed us so that we would connect with him in such a way that he would be the one to meet our heart need, to meet your heart need, to meet my heart need. And what happens is that sometimes when we get to a place where we start looking at the other side of the room, sometimes... We, we, we get beside ourselves. We start thinking only about that person and that our world revolves around that person and nothing else matters but that guy or that girl. Doesn't matter what God wants to teach me. Doesn't matter what, what I need to come to church and learn about. As long as they're there, everything will be good. Worship's happening on the stage, man. We're singing, we're praising God, but all that matters is if that guy or that girl is in the room. And, and here's the thing. This is something that I can relate to. It's something that your leaders can relate to because honestly, the way that God created you and I is that he created us to connect with the opposite gender. It's all by God's design and God's plan. That's how we're created to be. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week. But let me give you a thought. And this is a thought that I think will be helpful to you. And I think it's something that you need to write down. So write this down. Wait to date. Everybody say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Wait to date. Wait to date. Let me tell you why. Because I understand that you may not agree with me, and that's okay. And, and, and I don't, the, the point of this series is not for you to feel bad about yourself. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I want you to hear, and what I want to use this stage for, is I want to be honest with you. And I want to, I want to teach the truth to you. I don't think that where you're at in your life, the chapter you're living in, that you're ready to date people. I don't think it's the best call for you. And that's nothing against you. Here's the thing. Your parents may believe something different. And if you have an agreement with your parents that is different than that, then that's, that's, that's you and your parents' decision. But what I would say is that waiting to date is important. Let me tell you why that's true. Because it eliminates pressure. See, you are going to be pressured by culture, by society, by social media, by television, by songs and music, and you're going to be put in all this pressure to think that other people can complete your needs, that other people can fulfill this God-sized void in your life, and it's not true. And so when you say, hey, you know what, man, in middle school... Dude, I'm just going to focus on friendship. I want to become the one that God wants me to be. I am going to just, man, I'm going to eliminate all that pressure. There's a lot of freedom that comes with that. 
And I get it, man. Last night, yesterday was Valentine's, and maybe you have a Valentine, right? And, and I get it. You, you get excited, man. They brought you some chocolate, or they brought you a card, or you gave a card to someone. Hey, listen, I think it's awesome. I think it's great to appreciate the opposite gender, to let them know that they're amazing and they're awesome. But, but in, this, in this time, waiting to date is the best decision you can make. So here's what it's like. It's like TiVo. You guys like TiVo? Who's got TiVo in here? TiVo where you can pause the game or you can fast forward or you can rewind. I think, I think TiVo is the greatest invention on the planet because it changes the way you can watch a game. But let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you what this looks like, okay? When it comes to dating, all I'm saying is to hit pause, because when you hit pause, there's going to be a time in your life when it's time to hit play, when it's time for that chapter in your life to open, and God may introduce you to someone who's amazing, but not right now. You're not ready for it. And, and I'm not trying to say or do anything to offend you. I'm just being honest. And what I would say is the best thing you could do is hit pause. Now, I have two minutes, and I want to give you some practical thoughts. Um, these are for you to think about when you begin to open this chapter. And so here's the questions I want to answer. When, who, and how? Very simple. When should you start dating? The answer is different for everyone in the room. Some of your parents, they'll tell you when you're 16. Some of your parents, they'll tell you when you're out of the house. Some of your parents, they'll tell you when you're 18. Some of them, they're fine with you dating now. It's different for everyone in the room. What I would say for you to do is that when you get to a place where you're interested in this part of life, go talk to your parents about it. Talk to someone who's wise about it. The Bible says this, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When you need wisdom, which is help to make a really important decision, and this one is, talk to your parents. Maybe talk to your small group leaders about it. Maybe you've already talked about it tonight. Hopefully you have. Think about it like this. Don't ask your best friend when you should start dating, okay? Because they're your age, they're in the sixth grade like you are. What do you think they're going to say? Of course. And they're not wise. Not yet. Every memory you make with someone of the opposite gender, it matters. And it takes time to create the memories that are worth creating. Who should you date? The Bible says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You should date someone who loves God more than they like you. It's that simple. When you start dating someone, you should look and you should date someone who loves God more than they like you. Let me tell you why. Because like we talked about last week, if you're dating someone that's just trying to find the right person, their focus is not where it needs to be. But if you start dating someone who's focused on becoming who God has called them to be, 
who God has created them to be. See, when you take a person who is in love with God and, and walks with God and another person who is in love with God and walks with God and you pair those people together, it is a beautiful thing. It's the way God intended it. It's the way God created it to be. Date someone who loves God more than they like you. Someone that you're, that you're attracted to on the inside and on the outside. That's important. Ladies, someone who will treat you with honor and respect like you deserve. Guys, someone who, who will let you be who you are. How you should date. Always in groups. Always in groups. Always with groups, groups of people. Never alone. Never by yourself. The Bible says, above all else... Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from that. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to guard your heart. You got to guard yourself against things that God doesn't want for you. You got to be wise when it comes to the opposite gender. I'll tell you this, and, and then we're going to pray. When my wife, Erin, and I, when we were going through our premarital counseling, our counselor gave us a piece of advice that has stuck with me, I think, it's, I think it's the most important thing when it comes to marriage. This is what he said. He goes, the greatest thing, the greatest thing that you can bring to your marriage is spiritual independence. He said, let me tell you what that means. It means that you have already determined that you will not go, Stephen, you will not go to Aaron to meet your heart need. And Aaron, you will not go to Stephen to meet your heart need because the only one who can meet your heart need is God. But the beautiful thing about marriage, right, is that when I go to God to meet my heart need and Aaron goes to God to meet her heart need, the beautiful picture is that we get to partner, I get to partner with God, with the Creator as he meets my wife's needs. And she gets to partner with God, our creator, as he meets my needs. So see, God uses me in that process and God uses her in that process. And I know that's a lot for you to handle. I know that you don't fully understand that. But I think sometimes just hearing something and listening to something can be helpful and here's what I want to do to wrap us up. When it comes to this part of your life, God has a plan. And his plan is the best. His plan is the greatest. And he is the only one who can fulfill that God-sized void that you have. <laughs>